Good morning, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. It's Karen here. And we are discussing one of your client stories today. I am. Um, a gentleman came oh, to... S- we are. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Trying to be inclusive again. <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Thanks. Um, an older gentleman came named Al, and he... Um, Opened his session. He did, he just asked for anything that was coming through from his spirit world. Um, when he lay down on the table, the first thing they said to me is he has a hernia. And I said, okay. He they meaning his spirit guides. And I said, Al, is it accurate you have a hernia? And he said yes. And I said, okay. I said, is it in this location right here? Um, I'll say in the stomach area to the right. Um, and he said, yes, that was true. And he said, but I've had that forever. I've had that for, for, you know, over a decade. And so I just listened and the spirit world said, yeah, about that, Karen. And I thought, okay, so where, where, where's that going to go today? So they said, well, just ask him to relax and, and give him a little bit of instructions that we're going to ask you to say today. So they asked him to set an intention, um, to thinking about all of the different females in his life that he has loved and for him just to close his eyes and think about them and let them float to the surface. So they didn't say in what way, if this was um, as an adult kind of falling in love or a child with a mom love or, you know, when you have a crush on a teacher, like they just said, leave it open for him. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. And they said, just ask him to, to set that intention, close his eyes and to see what he can do with that. And what happened for me was I got to see different people in his life um, that he, that he loved, that he felt he loved, that he felt in his heart with his emotions and uh, including as an adult, including as a married man where he had feelings for another woman, but never told her and never left just worked through it, stayed with his wife, um, has still been with her for, you know, decades, maybe four decades now. And so all of these different feelings that had come up at different times for him. And some of the some of the women and females in his life that he'd never said, never expressed the love to. And they said, now you understand the hernia. And I thought, what? And they said, now, now you can understand why he won't let go of the hernia, that he's had this for for decades, this hernia. He knows about it. He knows that it's it's getting bigger and bigger and that it's causing problems. Ask him about the pain in his back on the right-hand side. Ask him about his right hip. Ask him about this part of the rib cage. So I, I, I said, Al, do you mind kind of opening your eyes? And I'm supposed to ask you some questions from the guides. And he said, sure. So I said, do you have pain here and here and here? And I showed him three spots. And he said, yeah, yeah. That one's been bothering me a lot lately, Karen. And I said, well, Al, I said, they're telling me that the hernia and these these three spots of pain have to do with all of these different p- people that you've loved in your life, in particular females, that you didn't use your voice for, that you didn't speak up truthfully to. Not saying that you were supposed to leave your wife, but that you were supposed to give voice to it. It could be in therapy. It could be to a friend. Mm-hmm. Not that the guides are saying you did something wrong. 
you should have left a wife, you should have, you should have done, you know, they're not, they're not giving him shit. They're simply saying that these are the feelings that are still sitting in the body. Mm -hmm. And the reason that he's not willing to have a hernia removed, because this was, they were saying this was his way of holding on to something. This was his way of having control over something. Mm -hmm. So he had control over the hernia. He didn't want to let go of it. He didn't want it to be removed. In some way, it was his, ex it, it was his way of holding on to it. Mm -hmm. So the guides were around and they were all talking about this to me. And there were several of them. And so I explained it as best I could to him. That the guides were there telling me this about the hernia, about these three spots. And he said, you know, he says, I have something interesting to tell you, Karen. And I said, what's that, Al? And he said, well, when you first asked me to think of these women, he said, um, I just felt love. He said, I felt more love, I think, now than I ever did for all of those women. And he started laughing. Mm -hmm. And he said, but the funniest part that I want to tell you, he says, is that you took me to this white toilet bowl. I said, what? He said, you took me to a white toilet bowl. He says, I asked you for permission, or I gave you permission to kind of guide this. He said, because I trust you. He says, so I just thought I'll close my eyes. I'll ask for Karen's spirit to come. And he says, you took me to a white toilet bowl. And he said, it looked like that. He says, I don't know if that's accurate. It just looked like a toilet bowl, you know, without the seat, the back cover. But when I looked into it, you know, it had that swirling water motion. That's why I call it a toilet bowl. And I said, what else about that, Al? He goes, well, he said, I can't quite explain it. He says, but it just looked like beings around the toilet bowl. He says, some people might say angels. He says, I don't know that I believe in angels. So he says, I'm just referring them to as, as beings around the bowl. And I said, Al, I said, what a gift you've given me. And I said, and Kelly, I know you know this, that I refer to the high council as my toilet bowl group. Mm -hmm. And that years ago, when I first started doing some of this work, um, that's how I saw people's counsel. But first I saw my very own. And so this was a client coming in who doesn't know this, doesn't know this about me or my reference to my white toilet bowl or the my counsel, and how he just right out of nowhere, or not right out of nowhere, it was structured by his spirit guides for the two of us to go there so that he could look at his life and what he had done with pain, uh, or love rather, that had become painful for him because it was love unexpressed. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share, I wanted to share that with you. I'm not looking so much for you to ask anything, but you're welcome to, or to make comments or whatever it is you want to do. Hmm. I think I'm just playing the role of listener right now. Okay. And I know I normally have a lot of questions to ask. Um, I think part of me wonders if there was resolve or if there was even a, a desire for it because you're talking about the fact that he doesn't want it removed. Yeah. So was your job at this point um, as a medium, as an energy healer, to simply say this is why it's manifested, this is the deeper meaning as to why you won't get surgery, or like was there any intention to resolve that? There was no intention on my part at the beginning of this to resolve or identify anything. Right. My intention at the beginning of this is to be an energy healer and to facilitate any or be part of any healing that the the human is 
and the soul are open to. Okay, I'd like to ask a question then. Okay. So when you when you see this council, when you see the reason as to why um, all these emotions have manifested and, and how they have in the body, um, do you do you back off at that point and <laughs> think, nope, not offering the energy healing at this point? Um, I will let the guides guide it. I let them tell me what to do. So they, they're the boss, not me. They, they're the ones that decide, but, and I believe they get the information and they make those decisions with Al soul mm-hmm. and with Al the human. And that I get to be part of it. So if they say to me, ask him this, I do the asking mm-hmm. because it's his own spirit asking him. I find this, um, and I'm going to use this term loosely, but I find this fascinating just in the sense that like my personality is to, is to look for a solution is to look for how do I get healthier? If this, if this is a problem, what do I, what can I do about it? What's within my control? Who are my resources and when can I act? And none of these are questions that have come up for him. That's right. And so then my head goes to wondering if you're sitting there as a client and you're hearing you have a hernia, this is why it exists. And and he's still sitting there going, yep, I'm going to hang on to that. Mm-hmm. What does that do for him? And I'm not asking you to answer this question, but I, I wonder what that does for him once he leaves the house, once he leaves the treatment room to think, hmm, my hernia that exists is because of all of these women that I've loved and because of all of the reasons or all of the ways that I've never expressed myself. Um, Contro- and, and a lack of just, control. But, but how you go forward from there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you're a solution focused person, you're always thinking about how do I move forward? But if you're not, then it's this is what I, you know, that that whole saying it is what it is. It's a pattern. So that's just an acceptance of mundane an acceptance of well, laziness. Ugh. Yeah, I was going to say mediocrity because to me, that's yeah. just an acceptance of mediocrity in life and right. just not aspiring to much more. That's right. And it's a low bar or no bar. Yeah. And I think that might anger a lot of people, but I'm 100% okay with that um, be- because, I mean, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you're saying something for what it is and people can have a response to that. And the people that will feel angry with that will be the people that either have the no bar, low bar. Mm-hmm. Because the people that love themselves enough to move past that, understand what you're saying about the goal, what you can do. And, and what I think too, what, well, it's just a thought, is that the spirit world gives them an opportunity. Right. So each of these women have given him opportunities. Probably his current spouse gives him opportunities to love her as well. Or, and does he, does he shut down with her as well? Mm-hmm. So if he's shut down with all these other women, and other females or other males, other everyone in his life, then is this just a bigger pattern right. where he withholds? And is he with a partner who accepts that for whatever reasons? Maybe he cooks, maybe he pays the bills, maybe he's just company. He's playing a role. Yeah. So this is about their own contract for them to look at. Mm-hmm. And as you say, some people um, won't look at that. They won't look at it in this life, but there are different opportunities too. Mm -hmm. So whether they realize it or not, they will give each other opportunities. They will also have other opportunities because they're on planet Earth from other people. 
you know, I, I recognize that I see things probably in a much more animated way than a lot of people do. And I've been telling you this since I was a little girl, whenever I would meet someone, I would have like, um, almost kind of like a, a movie reel or highlight of people's lives, almost like they were having like a, a funeral, um, slideshow. Well, Kelly, you used to say that you saw people by their funerals. Yeah. I uh, yeah. remember this clearly. And that's why I'm saying I, you know, probably see things a little bit more animated than, than most people give, give them time or that give themselves time to think about maybe. But I, I think about what you're saying and, and how, you know, in that moment, Al's sitting in the treatment room and you're saying this is what it is. And fast forward to his life review when he passes, where God, source, whatever, his soul's sitting down to go, okay, here were the opportunities that you had. Um, here are the ones that you missed or didn't take or didn't even recognize. But then pointing out something like that in your treatment room and them going, and you did nothing with that one. That that was a big fuck you to the universe. Yeah. Right? Because there are subtle moments that pass us by. And like I said, a lot of them we don't even maybe recognize as opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to review those and kind of understand, you know, where our level of consciousness was at. But for the for the obvious opportunities that we just flat out say, yeah, not, not going to take that one. Um, how disrespectful. To your own soul? Yes. To your own being? Yeah. Absolutely. That's the point. Sorry. Just punched the mic. <laughs> That that's absolutely the point, Kelly, um, and that's why if you ask the question, "What do I do?" or "What my role is?" or "What I think in it," I sit back and learn. I I try to take it as an opportunity to learn for me and to be, to be reflective of my own life. So, do I step up if I have a feeling for someone else? Do I, whether it's good, bad, ugly, whatever it is that you want to call it. If it's to fall in love with somebody, do I say it? If it's Whatever. Well, we were talking about it earlier this morning when you see it even within something within your own siblings. Are you able to say what you see? Are you if you're especially if you're invited to, mm-hmm. um, especially if someone or if the opportunity presents itself and the universe like puts it wide open for you. But I've also created the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So even if the universe doesn't give it to me, I work hard to create it. I work hard to make sure that I get there. But not as you know, as you and I both know from doing all of these treatments, the average human being is far from that. Yeah, just uh, the word disrespectful keeps coming back because I think, like you said, how disrespectful to your own soul. And if that is the pattern to be that disrespectful to your own self, how it has to be an obvious disrespect then in each one of your relationships. Yeah. And how dead to the world your partner has to be. Or other people have to be when you live your life like that, and that's how you re- that's how you treat other people. And and I find this interesting because I think this is going to launch into a whole other conversation. I know who you're speaking of, and I know he's a big people pleaser. Yes. And so when I'm talking about the disrespect that occurs in the other relationships, I think people um, this is what people give constant praise to as oh they're so selfless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an entirely disrespectful relationship. Yeah. Because there's a total lack of authenticity, mm-hmm. sincerity, um, integrity, however, however you want to word that, however, you know, you resonate with words. Um, there's just, there's no truthfulness to it. I agree. I know. I totally agree because these people are the ones that 
will come across in society as he's such a nice guy. She's such a nice person. She's the nicest person I've ever met. They're so lucky to be with this person. Yeah. And it's just, there's, there's no true self that exists in the relationship. It might as well be a one, a one person relationship. Well, and when the person who wakes up sees it for what it is. So if it's that, if that's the, the partner in this case, say it's like, say it's his, his wife or whoever, a child or a best friend, if they wake up and see that, then they can use their voice to confront it. Um, but as you know, which is the same thing in this situation in the treatment room, I'm aware of it, he's aware of it, and he's just sitting there looking at me like, now he knows. That another person knows. That's right. The, where, where his wife or a best friend or a, a, um, a sister might sit there and confront him about some of these behaviors. He may sit there and just kind of look at them like, whatever. But that's a whole lot of withholding. Mm-hmm. And that, that, as you and I both know, how abusive that is. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, it's a, I'll call it a passive abuse, but it's not. I think it's the worst kind. Yeah. Because in its passivity, it leaves the other person in a crazy making state, not really understanding what's going on. However, in some situations, in some, yes, because eventually as the other partner understands what they're doing, it's on them to wake up. It's on them to walk out. It's on them to take action. Right. So I think, yes, in, in this, in this session, he was, he was being called out, not just by another human being. He was being called out by his own soul and his own spirit guides. Mm -hmm. And he went to the toilet bowl. He went to the highest level of counsel. He went to his highest council of beings or whatever you want to call it, his spirit guides, whatever people refer to as your highest self. And they called him out. And he just kind of very, in a people pleasing way said, well, thank you for letting me know. Mm-hmm. Sound asleep, staying here. Or perhaps five years down the road, he does something about it. Perhaps on the way home in the car, he has an authentic conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder how that will feel for the first, when he has one for the first time. Because mm-hmm. they're scary. Some people might think, oh, he'll feel so good. And it's like, he might, and he might not. It might be the worst thing in his life at that moment, because he's, he's having to, first of all, tell the truths. And there will be consequences to that, right? Well, yeah, because at that point, you're rocking the boat. So if you're, yeah. t- if you're together for that many years... Um, on some level, you're both aware of what roles you play and that you're both willing to stay in them because somehow they're serving yourself and the other person. Yeah. So if he, at, at this point, chooses to quote unquote wake up and have a real conversation, then that partner is shaken like you're, you're rocking the boat. We've had a, you know, an, yeah. an, um, it hasn't been said out loud, but we've agreed that this is the way we're going to do things. Yeah. And now you're going fucking all up. Yeah, that's right. So there's that challenge that then exists to go back to the inauthentic so that we can keep existing the way we've been existing. And I think some people can, I'll say, go to their toilet bowl and they can have their moment of clarity. Mm -hmm. They can have their moment of integrity and it scares the shit out of them. So they go right back into the old life. They fall back to sleep again. And this, I want to say, is where it becomes crucial that you have therapy, 
that you have your people to hold you accountable to what to this new part, not new part, but authentic part of yourself. If you don't have something to hold you accountable, it's very easy to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why some people will come and see us on a regular basis because this is where they're being held accountable and why some people will not. I, mean, I was just going to say. And I'll say 90% of our clients will not return to see us. Mm-hmm. Do not come back. They are one-shot deals that want to pop in, check and see what's going on. Typically, they don't even want their spouse to know they're here mm-hmm. or their boyfriend or girlfriend. They don't want anybody to know they're coming um, because they want to be able to fall back into their own patterns without anybody having to... Yeah to hold them accountable. Yeah. And it's why when they see us in a mall, they look the other way. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, and we were just discussing this, um, you know, the asleep people avoid you and I, um, but the people who claim spiritual enlightenment also avoid. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because, you know, they're, they're living in this, uh, well, well, what I'll call a new age uh, enlightenment where they're, They've got their card decks, they've got their stones, they've got all of the the purchased items that they f- they feel they need to feel connected to. They've made their trip to Sedona. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to knock the beauty of Sedona. That's yeah. just, it's a marketable place now where people are told they can find their spirituality there. Mm-hmm. Uh, much the same way in the olden days and, and currently, you were supposed to find God only in a church. And so, but of course you had to pay to get in. So, you know, those people who are, who are seeking that kind of, um, lifestyle, uh, also avoid being called out in uh, their authenticity. Mm-hmm. This podcast did not go where I thought it was going. Me neither, <laughs> but I like it because it's a workable one. Yeah. And and I think it might be one that um, many therapists, many psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, true friends, true partners, beautiful spouses, authentic children, hurting children, um, wonderful bosses, um, true leaders of countries um, or of organizations or of households really need to hear. Mm-hmm. The authentic people really need this. The other people may not need it as much sometimes because they're already sleeping and buried. And they may listen to this, feel anger and shut it off. But the people who really are in this spot where they they really do sit with their toilet bowl and their group around it and really do the sincere deep work, they're the ones that will listen to this podcast over and over again. Yeah, and I think too, I've, I will admit, and I say this about a lot of them, I think this is a very confusing podcast for many people. And I think, you know, you've illustrated some people who for sure need to hear it, but I think there's that large group of people who are kind of on that cusp of wanting to make a change, not really knowing where to begin, who may hear this and think that they would like to start evaluating their, their own selves mm-hmm. and think, okay, this, the spirituality or the faith that I have so far, is it, is it real? Is it, is it kind? Is it authentic? Or is it just ego driven? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are my behaviors, you know, in, inserting and just asking those different questions, is it ego driven or is it authentic? Uh, and I think that self-evaluation is beautiful and a necessary process. It's emotional intelligence, which mm-hmm. is what you and I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm on the podcast shows, and also in sessions. 
and also with the spirit world where they're trying to help people, humans, find their own. And it's always individual with every single client. This was just one example of where the session just started very peacefully asking him to feel love. This wasn't the spirit world coming through to bash him over the head. They were asking him to feel an emotion that he felt at one time and shoved down. So when we're asking about emotional maturity and authenticity, that is exactly where this begins and ends. Mm-hmm. It's feeling. Yes. Cool. Good. Yeah. Do you want to end it there? Sure. Okay. I will encourage all of the questions uh, that you have after this podcast to be submitted to info at com, And uh, we will talk to you guys next week.